Hello, welcome back. I'm Ryan McLeod and this is Creative Chit Chat, episode number 62. The first in this next block of six. Um, yeah, I've got some brilliant guests lined up. Um, someone I'm really excited about um, releasing next week. Someone that I think everyone will know or will have heard of. And yeah, I've, I've already recorded the, the interview, obviously, and... It's fantastic and I think he is one everyone will enjoy and it takes it from a, a very different perspective from what I expected. Um, but yeah, I think I'll tell you a little bit more about that at the end of the podcast. So hang around for that. Um, but this week it's Emerick Renault, who is a furniture maker and designer and... He is originally from Lyon, well, just outside Lyon, um, a small town out there. Um, studied there, came over, studied at DJ CAD, um, and has sort of come in to work in part of his time for Kennedy Twaddle Architects, and the other part of his time he runs a company called Draft, which creates an eco-friendly material for making furniture and products um, out of the waste products of breweries and distilleries, so taking the spent grains and ingredients, um, adding a, an eco-friendly resin, compressing it, drying it, and making this solid board that then he creates um, items out of. And, I mean, it, the, the chat was fascinating. We get into some really interesting uh, areas around eco-design and around um, developing your own sort of ethical reflex if you like um, when buying products when you're in the supermarket it's um, we talk about how you how uh, Emmerich does that for himself um, and if you start to develop those habits and it can actually really make a, a massive difference so it's thinking about how you you actually select the product from the shelf and, and how you check ingredients and if you do it enough times um, that will just become a natural reflex um, and I think it's something that that's becoming more and more prominent and more and more important. Um, and hopefully, I mean, we talk about it being a bit of a fad, the, the term eco-design or people jumping on that bandwagon. And hopefully it's not. And hopefully um, the conversation continues and, and we start to, to see people making more ethical decisions around what they buy, whether that's just... Um, not using reusable coffee cups um, or selecting better deodorants or, or whatever that might be just making those small changes can actually have a massive impact um, if everyone does it and another thing that I want to touch on just before we get in um, is we talk about this idea of pushing yourself out of the comfort zone and it's something we've talked about a lot on the, the podcast I think um, in different guises but I've sort of been chatting to a few people about this this kind of theory which I've developed based upon um, it was actually a, a, a surfing instructor who was talking about um, your levels of comfort um, in regards to sort of extreme sports and where where you thrive. Um, and he talked about it as sort of three concentric circles. So you have your your sort of your comfort zone, uh, which is the smallest centre circle. Then you've got a circle outside of that, which is your sort of exploration zone. Um, and then on the outside of that, you have the sort of danger zone. And I think the the, the way that sort of I feel it, it works for me, and I imagine it does for other people as well, is that that centre zone is your core skill set. So it's where you're very comfortable. And if a lot of your projects fall within that, then it can be quite staid, quite boring, quite samey, because as soon as you approach the problem, you know the solution. 
Um, so where the most interesting things happen are in this sort of second circle of exploration where you're collaborating, where you're learning new skills, where you're bouncing ideas off other people um, and actually pushing yourself. Um, but wh- what happens in the third circle if you push yourself too far is there's much more risk um, and then there's there's the likelihood that the project might fail or that you might not be able to achieve the goals that you set out or that the, the finished product isn't quite as good as you imagined. Um, so I thought this is a really sort of rich and nice analogy that sort of I've developed over time and sort of chatted to a bunch of people and uh, Amerik as well. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to share that before we get into the episode. Um, but if you're new to the podcast um, or you don't already, um, we're on all the good podcast places. Um, yeah, like iTunes and all the rest of it. So um, do subscribe on there. It does really help. And it's at CCC Dundee on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee. And yeah, let's get into the episode. So this is number 62, and this is with Emerick Reno. Well, uh, it's kind of started in uh, 2007 or 8, I think. So just after I finished uh, my uh, furniture degree in France. So I had a friend, uh, she was in jewelry, so she's my partner now. And uh, she just came uh, in Dundee straight after her degree um, to continue jewelry. And I had a job in France, and because we knew each other, like, I just came once to visit, like, you know, as friends do. And, uh, yeah, she just showed me the uni, like, DJ Cal, she just showed me the city, and I kind of really felt the need to, to be here because, like, yeah, DJ Cal was, like, great you know it was just a huge playing ground and I was like well I could do really cool stuff here so yeah I just uh, went back in France and um, kind of thought about it and uh, yeah a few years after I kind of yeah quit my job in France and, and moved here. So what, at, at that point what were you doing in, in France and whereabouts in France? Well I was um, so I come from a really small village uh, in the middle east of France near Lyon but I've done all my study in Lyon. So, so yeah, at the moment I was uh, doing a furniture design degree, but uh, I was also working in this uh, furniture making uh, company. It was a kind of high-end luxury furniture, uh, furniture making company. And um, uh, what they do in France, you can study, but also uh, work in the same time. So, you know, you go two, two, two weeks uh, at school and you work two weeks. So it's kind of really, it's really good, especially for job where you need to be a bit, you know, technical and manual because you learn so much. You learn stuff that you, well, when you're in school, you learn stuff that you don't learn in the in the factory. But when you're in the factory, you learn stuff that you not necessarily learn in school. So it's a good uh, balance. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. approach. So is that... Is that specific to furniture making, or does no, that no, happen across? You can, you can you can do it in everything. It's just uh, basically every courses in France they've got the traditional way where you stay to school the whole time, but they also have this uh, other way to do stuff. So no, it's 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 great. I mean, it's it's helping you a lot to you know after you're graduated to move on in the real life because you already have a kind of experience in the real world of work so, so yeah 
So at the moment, yeah, just uh, just after I'm uh, just after I've been graduated, well, I I continue working in the in the company I was doing my degree in. At what point did you decide I have to move to Dundee? Well, it was more like because I had a kind of furniture design degree in France, and I was in this company, and I w- was was kind of really nice job, but you know. I wasn't feeling, um, I think I couldn't see me kind of growing up in this company because I was just doing the, the same job all the time. And I was like, well, I've got diploma, I've got, I think I've got skills, so I kind of need to try something else. And uh, and yeah, I think it was good for me to be able to kind of restart from nothing by coming here and joining the kind of Jordan Stone, doing an interior design uh, degree because also I kind of wanted to learn more about interior design because at the moment it was kind of mainly furniture design and uh, it's quite hard especially in France to to yeah to just leave doing furniture so so yeah but at the moment I was like yeah I'm gonna come in Dundee do my two years degree and go back in France but finally I kind of ended up staying here. So how did that university experience in Scotland compared to that in France? Well, uh, yeah, it's quite different. It's quite different. I mean, uh, in France, I think university are a bit too, how can I say that, selfish or, you know, too closed on, like, they're not open to the world. Like, you know, here you go to, to DJ Card and you're like, even if you're from, for example, if you're from furniture or interior design, you can go in any workshop, in jewelry or whatever, ask for help. Everybody's going to be really helpful and happy to help you. And in France, it's not like that at all. If you're in furniture design, you don't go in any other workshop because you're not allowed to go in. And it's a bit like, you know, everybody stay away from everybody. And uh, what I liked also here is you're basically free to do whatever you want if you show that you're motivated and uh, you kind of feel the brief, you know, like uh, I think teacher and technicians, they really trust you. And uh, yeah, if, you, if you're if you motivated, you can do amazing stuff and nobody's gonna kind of put any barrier on it. So it's great. So so yeah, for me, that was, was a kind of massive change. Like, was like, yeah, that's why I really wanted to, to start something here, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you finished your your two year degree, yeah. Um, and what happened after that? Uh, well, I was um, I was really keen into like working for myself, doing some self employed stuff, and and also really keen to continue my kind of uh, because I even during my degree I was working a lot through making, you know, like I'm not the best one doing sketches so I was doing loads of models and stuff like this so I kind of uh, started to do freelance job for this uh, architecture company which is called Kennedy Twaddle Architect and uh, and ended up uh, doing the residency in uh, at Duncan of Jordan Stone because uh, it was something kind of perfect for me because I was still in university but like doing a wee bit of teaching, but also being able to have great facility to do my own little making thing. So do you want to explain a bit about what 
what a residency is? So basically, uh, after you're graduated, uh, you can stay uh, for one or two years in the university. And uh, what you do, you basically help uh, teacher and student uh, by doing a wee bit of teaching and uh, being here to kind of guide them, etc. And in the same time, you have the, you have your studio and time, space and facility to develop your own project, which is uh, which is great because, like for me, if I wanted to set up my my workshop in woodworking or interior design, that would be really really expensive. So, so that was a really really good uh, experience for me. And that's not so. It's not a funded position. Though. No, it's not funded. Yeah. So was okay for me because uh, because I've always kind of uh, been able to find work and uh, I had some savings so it was was okay for me but my sometimes it can it can be can be hard for some some people who are a bit less lucky I mean so yeah I think it, it it's a lot of people especially that I've talked to it's, it's that struggle it's finding that yeah. balance to finance yeah. what you really want to do and to, to sort of get yourself set up and established yeah no it's true then uh, I've seen that yeah some people in my in my year for example yeah we're struggling because they were working crazy hours at night in bars and pubs but I couldn't couldn't really work much during the day because they were just even too tired or just because they were not in the right uh, mindset because they've been working the whole night so so yeah that was really hard but uh, but yeah I guess uh, I'm not gonna say it was always easy for me but maybe maybe you just have to to say to yourself that it's a year or two where you're gonna kind of struggle but it's maybe a year or two to build your future you know just at the end you might have something really interesting from that mm-hmm. so yeah yeah I, I think it it can sometimes come down to a mindset yeah um, and if you're driven enough to make it work then yeah. then you, you sort of make it work and I think it's that I've talked to a few people before about this that you, you sort of make your own luck yeah if you work yeah. hard enough um, yeah. and you have the drive and the determination that opportunities and things will come if you work hard enough at it no yeah definitely it's uh it's always well i remember well my 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 tutor uh, when i was in fourth year well which is my boss now from kennedy to adult gary kennedy he was always saying no matter like every time there is a job coming like never say no always say yes even if you don't know how to do it because you're always gonna find somebody to help you to do it or you know like it's it's a bit silly, but you can just Google it. <laughs> you know, if you when you don't know how to do something, there is always there is always a way to to find a way to learn how to do it or ask people to help you on it. So so yeah, I mean it's uh, it's uh, yeah you have to just say yes, and uh, so sometimes you say yes with a big smile, but in your head you're like mm, I don't really know how to do this, but you've got time to learn and. And I mean, it's uh, at the end, yeah, you you just figure out how to make it because you don't have any choice. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's again, it's that thing of pushing yourself. And I think it's it's getting just outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And whether that needs that, the, the sort of the collaboration um, or that openness of getting other people involved that mm. you talked about. Um, 
I mean, obviously, if you're a furniture maker, you're not going to go and design a system for a bank. No, yeah, but well, yeah, you have to kind of stay. You are, you have to yeah, kind of stay where in your kind of uh, okay, nice area. Yeah, yeah in your sort of discipline. But, yeah, but, but yeah, it's uh, and it's amazing to see how much you learn by doing this. Because you know, if you always do the same thing and say, "Oh no, I want, don't want to do this because I'm not too sure about how to, to do it," like finally, you're never really gonna learn other skills and other metal to work. Or so yeah, by kind of pushing yourself to to accept job that you're not too sure, you kind of learn so much. And the next one coming, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, I can do that because I've done it like." before so yeah yeah and i also think if you if you do one thing really well and you never push yourselves outside that yeah people will look in at you and go that's what this person does yeah and i will only go to them if i want that thing yeah. done yeah um but you can start to through collaborations through learning new skills mm. you can start to push yourself outside that and then people will start to see oh well actually maybe i'll try and challenge this guy or, or ask yeah. them if they could do this or the other um so yeah i think there's a there's a sort of externally looking part of that as well that it's, it's really great to show that variety and show oh, yeah. that sort of development yeah definitely and and especially in kind of especially when you have a work like mine when you work uh, you know in making stuff like designing stuff i think you need to be you need to be aware about other way to produce stuff other material other like basically the world like you know you can't really just stay in your own cave and, and do the whole thing like, I guess it doesn't work anymore now maybe 200 years ago that was the case but now you need to be a bit more open and aware about the stuff surrounding you um, so I mean it feels like there was a very natural progression for you so you started at DJ CAD yeah then you went into the residency yeah um, and then obviously working with, with Gary yeah. Kennedy from Kennedy, Kennedy yeah. Twaddle um, and then you moved on to sort of work with with those guys afterwards yeah well um, as I said like during the residency I was also doing some kind of uh, self-employed work for this company and uh, at the end of the residency well you can only do it for two years so at the end you have to move on and I was like, well, I've not got any more space, and I do. I was doing a lot of work for them, and we we're like, well, I need a space. You need me to do work for you, so just let's let's open something together. So yeah, we kind of started to look for a place to rent in Dundee or buy in Dundee, and uh, ended up ended up finding finding this little uh, yeah workshop unit studio to 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 rent and uh, and. Uh, we just moved in last November, and it's just uh, it's just perfect. I mean, it's perfect for me, perfect for them, I guess, um, because well, I work for them three day a week, and the rest of the week, well, I, I do my own uh, my own work. So it's a really good balance, and it's uh, it's also really good for me because I can do so much, so many different. Uh, type of work in one week you know I can do a plan I can do a visual I can make a model uh, the next day I just building a kitchen for one of their project and the rest of the week I do my own stuff so it's 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 great like you never do the same thing so it's uh, that's quite important for me because the job I had in France you know that wasn't like that you know I was always going to the same desk doing the kind of same things and like 
and and I think that was a when I when I quit my job in France, it was like, well, if I ever find another job, I I don't want to do this again. You know, I want I want a job where you where you always kind of challenging yourself, doing different stuff instead of just being just doing the same stuff mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, the studio is based it's up off the Kingsway, yeah. sort of at the back of um, the building where the circle is based. Yeah, well, it's it's part of the the building, yeah, the, the circle building. So it's uh, well at the beginning. At the beginning, we were looking for something uh, in town, but uh, obviously it was no because everybody wanted to be in town. But finally, we we found this this little yeah workshop, and uh, and it's great because it's uh, it's it's silly stuff, but you know it's uh, it's easy to park. It's close to B and Q. It's graphics, and for me, it's great because you're not spending forty minutes in your car just for um, some screws. So so yeah, it, it's and and it's great to be. It's also great to be because you're surrounded by so many different factories and engineering places and like even yesterday we were in uh, just next door like this massive uh, uh, door factory and we we needed kind of CNC stuff for one of the, our project and we just knocked at the door and the guy was like yeah we've got that if you want to use it just uh, just give us our your plans and we, we're going to work together so it's kind of really great to be in this kind of uh, industrial area where you can just if you need some steel cut you just knock at this door if you need some cnc you knock at this one and it is great it's uh no it's it's a really really good find and obviously they also really good to be kind of part of the circle because it's also a nice community and it's quite helpful sometimes so yeah um so you mentioned uh, so working for Kennedy Twaddle so three days a week and yeah. then you have your own work so two days a week yeah. or so um, so it's the the draft yeah um, I don't want to call it a project but it's um, it's uh, so, so yeah I've started that uh, during the residency so it was I can't so basically draft uh, is a is an eco-friendly material to be used in furniture design furniture making uh, but it's made out of uh, all the waste from breweries and distilleries. So basically what I do, I pick up the Spain grain uh, after they use it to make beer or gin or whiskey, dry it and compress it into those boards with an eco-friendly um, binder. So so yeah, that was really good for me to have the residency to kind of... because. I spent loads of time like testing, researching, and because that was brand new, brand new field for me. Like you know, materiality, you know, like kind of started to be a bit uh, geeky about you know, like how to do this, how to make this, how to like like product and like resin binder and like because at the beginning I, I really wanted to be uh, the most uh, sustainable and eco-friendly possible, so. I've started to do my own uh, experimentation with, you know, bone glue and this kind of thing, but wasn't wasn't kind of professional enough. So I ended up finding a, a company in Germany who was developing this uh, binder made out of water and alcohol. So it's it's uh, completely free of any 
Uh, I don't want to go too much into detail because <laughs> that's going to be a bit tricky to understand. But yeah, it's basically really it's sustainable and eco-friendly. It's bio, how you say that? Biodegro- Biodegradable. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. so, so yeah, and uh, the idea now, now I know then it's work. So the idea now is to, to kind of uh, develop the project a bit more. Scale so it up. Like going back yeah. to the, the beginnings of it, so where did that idea well, actually come from? Um, I've always kind of been really interested in eco-design and eco-conception, sustainability and... Uh, it kind of started when I was in fourth year. I've done my dissertation about eco-design in, in furniture design. And um, I quickly realized that people are not aware about what eco-design is. When you speak about that, they always think that, you know, you're just going to make a chair out of cardboard. And you're like, nah, it's a wee bit more complicated and a wee bit more interesting than that. And... Um, and uh, yeah, I just uh, done kind of done loads of research and 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 been really really interested in this and uh, and for me it's kind of became a, kind of became the normal way to make or produce stuff if you know what I mean like when I s- sometimes I was speaking to people about that and they were like oh yeah it's quite trendy it's quite that's what everybody do at the moment and I'm like. <laughs> It shouldn't be a trend, you know, it shouldn't be something that you're going to do in the next 10 years because everybody do it. It should be the, should be the way that we produce stuff. I think we kind of, after, you know, after 1950, 1970, I think we kind of forgot the, the right way to, to produce stuff, like, you know, producing stuff without thinking where it will end up or... So I wanted, I just want to pick up that little thing that you said there, so the, the right way to produce stuff. Well, yeah. Well, so, well, in your opinion, what what is the right way to produce? Well, I think when you're a designer or maker or like a big company or some, somebody who's going to create something, you have to... You have to think about where your stuff going to end up. You know, when you see what's happened with plastic at the moment, it's it's kind of crazy. But but why we don't so why we didn't think about that before? You know, and that that's what eco design is. It's uh, making something and thinking about well, how to make it. Uh, is it going to be bad uh, to use it? But also thinking. How you're gonna kind of recycle it, or how you're gonna what's what's gonna be the hand life of the product, and um, and yeah, I think uh, I think people need to ask themselves like, what's the point to what's the point to 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 put I'm not gonna say bad stuff on the market, but what's, what's the point to put stuff on the market which is gonna be like really tricky to to deal with after? So I think it, and. Is it that it's profit versus yeah. ethics? It it is, I think, but it's also well. I think we we always blame uh, you know the the manufacturing people and the, the, the factory about this profit and ethic thing you know they want to make. But I think it's I think it's I think people have the real power. You know, like we need to stop buying the cheapest stuff we can find or buying the. We need to kind of think like 
like I don't know, sit down for five minutes and, and, and think about what you're buying and what you're consuming. Like, do you need to buy five t-shirts in a month? No, maybe just buy one, a bit more expensive, but good quality one. You know, it's, it's all, this whole thing. Maybe we need, uh, because if we do this, those companies and factories, they, they will stop those uh, mass production thing. And I think we've, we've got a real power, but I think people need to, to have this kind of, uh, how can I say that, uh, click, like they need to, they need to, yeah, they need to, to think about it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's a definite, there's an issue where if someone can only afford a certain type of product, mm. then ethics doesn't really come into it. But I think the things that you're talking about, whether it's... So they're not going to know... Like if they're going to buy... They have a £50 budget to buy a table and chairs. Yeah. They maybe don't have the option to buy an ethically created yeah. one. Um, but then I think it's more about changing the, the thought process of, yeah, as you say, like that sort of consumerism, yeah. like let's have lots of things yeah. all the time um, and have that, yeah, that... Yeah, maybe you're buying one item that lasts you for a lot longer, yeah, and um, that is of much better quality. But it's then that's it's a big mindset to shift. Well, yeah, but I think it's all about kind of yeah education and uh, and also people need to. I think people sometimes they blind themselves because they don't want to. They're too lazy to you know like like you go to the shop like you buy something you just turn around the the packet and just read the stuff. And you know, like everybody knows, and you know, palm oil now is really bad for the planet. So just, just read all the the, the little uh, okay, ingredient. And if you see palm oil, in it, palm oil in it, well, leave it and pick one without. You know, it's 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 as simple as that. I think people needs to be needs to be aware about what they're buying and uh, make this kind of uh, work or effort to to be informed so how much does that affect how much does that come into your life and the decisions that you make um like on a sort of day-to-day basis are you constantly doing that when you're going into supermarkets when you're buying anything well yeah now it's kind of now it's a reflex you know like it's uh yeah obviously at the beginning you know, <laughs> I remember the first time i was doing that i was like looking around me and I'm like what people are going to think about me reading all this thing like it's going to be like oh he's a kind of a weirdo <laughs> but but no and at the end you know you, you do it for you you also do it for other people and yeah it's 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 a reflex now and uh, it's the whole same thing you know with plastic like if I buy some vegetable like you don't need to wrap them in plastic bag just just leave them in your bag and I mean what's the point to put them in a bag to just pay them and after just put them in your fridge without the bag it's I don't see the point to to just so yeah it's a wee bit more messy because if you buy five apples well, they're gonna be a bit <laughs> all over the place but I mean at least you just don't use plastic and yeah but I, th- I think that's it it's, it's convenience yeah um, it's that's a big barrier to actually making better decisions yeah um, it's just uh, I think you just need to yeah you just need to start e- slowly start and it's just going to become a reflex and you're going to do it in any kind of uh, any kind of part of your 
daily life, you know, like even in my work, like, you know, like now I kind of stay away of every kind of polyurethane and varnish and all this kind of stuff. And you just do a wee bit of research and and you'll see that there is so many products out there which are really, which are not bad for the planet and, and you can just buy them as well as the, the other one. But it's just ask you to do a wee bit more research instead of just buying the first thing you see so yeah so to, to come back to to draft and yeah. the and the product so you're taking well, i suppose those those spent grains i mean that they're the waste product of the brewing and distilling process yeah, yeah. so some of the big distillery or brewery uh, sometimes they reuse it for um uh, animal feeding but some some small brewery just uh, just leave it to decompose, you know, do compost or just uh, throw it away. So it's a kind of really, yeah, it's kind of really uh, free material, if you know what I mean. It's mm-hmm. it's it's just yeah, it's it's a waste. So so yeah. So you, I mean, the guys come and deliver it to you. Uh, no, I pick it up at the moment because well, at the moment it's a really small scale, so. So I don't I don't need a lot of grain to 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 make my own my own stuff because yeah it's such a small scale at the moment but yeah the idea is to kind of develop that and have a partnership with few brewery and distillery and pick up their grain when they when they've done what they have to do with and uh, and me reusing that to to make another product with. So in, in Dundee, that's 71 uh, Yeah, in Dundee, it's 71 Brewery and Verdant uh, Spirit. So, yeah, it's also kind of good because those balls are kind of produced in a kind of two-mile radius. You know, like I pick it up from the brewery, which is next door to the workshop, and make those boards, and it's also good in a way and you're not traveling, like, five hours to pick up something or... And and I think it's also that's also part of eco design. You're like uh, trying to make something with with material or product which are surrounding you. So so yeah. So and then so let's just take us through the, the process of creating the like a board essentially. Yeah. So you you get you get your grain. Yeah. So I get the grain. Uh, I dry it first. Uh, so I can just drying use it oven or for example last week after was just laid uh laid down on the ground because it was so sunny so it's just perfect um so yeah just dry it and after um, mix it with uh, this binder and compressing it under high pressure and heat and um, basically because it's an eco-friendly binder um for the for the board to be solid, the water from the binder need to evaporate, so that's why I'm using heat, and uh, and and yeah, it's just this uh, reaction which which make the board set. And is this is it a similar process to what you'd use to create something like MDF or? Well, it's uh, it's a similar process. But instead of you know MDF when the MDF and OSB board when they produce it, they so yes they also use heat. But by using heat, it's a chemical reaction in the binder, uh, which make it set. Instead of me, I use heat to make the water evaporate. So it's the same process, but because it's it's a different binder, 
it's uh, how can I say that? It's the same process, but not the same. Um, it's it's a bit tricky, geeky. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Because for me, for example, when I compress one ball, I compress it, leave it for a few seconds, and release the mold, leave the steam evaporate, and do it again a few times. Instead of them, they just compress it once, leave it, uh, leave it for a few I don't know minute, and uh, when they once they uh, release the press, it's all set. So so yeah, for me. I mean, it's the, the binder that I use is already on the market, but those big companies don't use it because, well, it's a wee bit more expensive. But your process is also longer because you need to uh, you need to close the press, open it again, close it, and 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 yeah, it's it's always the same story. Like you know, there is stuff on the market which are good, but people don't use it because it's a wee bit more expensive and a wee bit more. Uh, uh, less uh, convenient so but it's always it's always a matter of price you know like people want to buy board for their house or for their furniture as cheap as they can but maybe you just need to think about what you what you're buying mm-hmm. so, yeah. so the the board that you create yeah um obviously it's a it's a strong material that you can then use to to build with yeah, it's uh, it's as strong as MDF or OSB. Uh, it's just a wee bit nicer because you've got this really nice uh, pattern, which is a mix between cork and marble. And uh, it's interesting because you're not going to have the same pattern if you use barley from the whiskey or beer industry, or if you do if you use uh, botanicals from the gin industry. You know, you can see the. For example, in the in the in the gin industry, they use juniper and coriander and uh, cinnamon. So you can really see those uh, those uh, botanicals once once your ball is compressed. So it's really nice. So essentially, each each brewery or distillery would have a unique yeah. board at the end. Well, yeah, it would be unique for for everybody, uh, especially in to the gin industry because uh, it's kind of dependent of the ingredient and botanical that you use. And you know, gin, you can use so many different, uh, so many different botanicals. So, so, so yeah, it will be really different for any, any distillery, basically. Mm. And so, and what what are you using, and what are you creating from the boards that you make? Well, for for the moment, the idea is to to develop my own collection of pieces of furniture, but also uh, starting to find a commissioned work, like you know for anybody basically like breweries distillery pub uh, shop restaurant like you know you can use it to do worktop you can use it to do you know ties for the wall or just like furniture or no it's uh, just the only thing that I don't want to do is uh, develop it for the big market because as I said before you know the binder I use is already on the market but those big companies don't use it so What's the point to, to like you know they're not ready to change. So what's the point to trying to to make something? Um, you know it would be really hard for me to to compete against those uh, factories because yeah I will never be able to, to 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 produce as 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 big and 
and as cheap than them, but that's not my that's not my ID. I mm-hmm. just want to develop a really nice material that you could use in the aircraft design and, and, and have some really interesting collaboration with designers or even people and work with them closely. And I think like we should all do that, like work with people which are close to, to you. Well, not close to you, I mean... Uh, in the kind of same area than you, you know, like because I I think now we really we really really lost this, uh, like you know, in the past when you needed a bed or something, you were just going in the street and going to the shop in the corner and and asking for it, and now we completely lost that. You know, everybody buy online and your bed arrive at your home two two day later, but you don't know where it's from and it's been made in in like four thousand kilometer away. And it's it's kind of uh, weird. I think we kind of lost this uh, this um, idea of buying locally, and I think that's. So how do we, even on a very small scale, how do we start to change that? To change the you mean the to change people's mindsets and uh, behaviors to buy more locally and. I suppose in respect to, to furniture yeah. and items like that. Well, I think first you kind of need to. I think you kind of need to explain to people what they are really doing when they are buying something. I don't know from China. Or, you know, you need to tell them well that's gonna that's gonna cost that not cost, but that's gonna use this amount of you know petrol or whatever because it's gonna have to be shipped like on big boats and etc and I think people don't really realize that and uh, so that's I think that that's the kind of first thing to do kind of educate people of what they're buying but it's also kind of um, bringing back those little shops and little um, design place craft place and in town because now in town you've got You've not got many of those shops. Like look in Dundee, you've got yeah, you've got the big Starbucks, you've got the big, the main the main brand, but you don't have many little shops where you can just buy stuff which is made locally and like good stuff and uh, and yeah, I think if you if you make yourself uh, vi- visible visible to people, they will start to to be aware about you. So I think it's uh, yeah, it's just about trying to to show to people that you're existing which is hard when you're surrounded by so many so many of those big uh, big shops yeah but then maybe it's a case of getting lots of local makers designers creators together to, to create that presence as a as a group as a collective yeah probably i think that's uh that's 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 the way i think uh designer and maker will will kind of compete against those bigger uh, brands because uh and one more time i mean it's uh it's it's great it's always great to share workshops or collaborate with people because you always learn so much and it's also easy for you obviously to pay the rent you know for the workshop all this kind of stuff so 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 yeah it's uh i think that would be a great way to to start changing mentalities yeah. so one question I've, I've started to ask a few guests and it gets some interesting mm-hmm. answers is um, where where do you feel that your expertise lies 
So, sort of across everything that you do, what is it that you're great at? Um, I think it will be will be trying to. What I do really well is making sure that I'm not gonna. How can I explain that? Like if I'm not happy with something that I designed, I'm not gonna. That's never gonna leave the workshop. You know what I mean? It's like for some for something to leave the workshop, it's need. I need to feel good about it, and uh, and if I have to stay one more night up to finish something or to redo something because I'm not happy with, well, it doesn't matter because at the end it's. Uh, yeah, as I said, you need to be proud and happy with the stuff you produce. And I think it's also kind of, uh, it's also be respectful for the people who buy your stuff. You know, you can't just, you can't just half do something and be like, yeah, it's fine. That's gonna, that, <laughs> that's gonna be okay for this time. So I think that's not something that uh, I would ever do. Try to just uh, rush something and, and kind of, I, I, we have a word in France, but I'm not sure about the one in English. Um, like, uh, what's the word? It's called Bakli. It's mean. Uh, it's basically mean you have to do something, so you do it quickly, and you just get rid of it as soon as possible, and and you just move on to the next thing. But yeah, no, that's that's not something that I want to do. So so yeah. And so. What what is it that excites you at the moment, and what is it that that you get out of bed in the morning to do, and you're like, yeah, I really want to get into that, and like, what what is it? I think it's just uh, making stuff and uh, finding new way to produce stuff, and you know this whole journey about you know the draft story. Like for me, it was completely new. Like you know learning stuff about how to create a material and that was that was really exciting like you know and I think what's what's really pushed me out of the bed in the morning it's trying to yeah trying to learn new things and trying to to, to what's yeah what I really would like is to show to people than uh, eco-design or sustainability or it's not just uh, you know when Sometimes you say that to people and they, they think that you're just a trigger girl and <laughs> you're like, no, it's just a balance. You just need to find your balance between buying good stuff and producing good stuff and uh, and be aware about what you're buying. So what's drive yeah, what's pushing me out of the bed in the morning? It's trying to, to develop this thing to make people understand that it's possible. So just to finish up, um I wanna move on to to talk a little bit about the city mm. um, so obviously uh, how many years have you been in I've been in Dundee since 2015 okay so three uh, no 2011 sorry okay yeah so yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. so it's six seven years yeah yeah I mean what's what's your thoughts on Dundee as a city I think uh, as a city I think Dundee needs to be well, it, for me, it's a great city. I really, well, I stayed, so that's mean I really like it. It's a great city because it's got a huge potential and uh, and people are great. And uh, I think people sometimes 
needs to be a bit more proud of Dundee. You know, everybody say Dundee is not a nice place, blah blah blah. But no, it's it's great. You know, you've got you've got really really nice. Uh, you've got a really really great company doing really interesting interesting stuff and high end stuff and like. So I think it's uh, no, I really like Dundee for that. I really like Dundee for his kind of uh, manufacturing vibe and like this. Obviously, because I'm a maker, but no, yeah, it's it's a it's a real city with a real history. So so, so no, I, I like that. And I mean, in your your time here, how have you seen the city change? Oh yeah, well, I remember when I first arrived here. You still had the you know this massive tower just at the back of uh, the Kale Hall. And when you see the change now, it's uh, it's amazing. And I s- kind of also see a kind of uh, change happening toward, you know, makers and design. And, you know, like five years ago, that wasn't so much in the city. I think people now, especially people from DJ CAD, I think they're going to start to stay a bit more in Dundee instead of just going somewhere else after, after their degree because there is not much in Dundee. So I think it's slightly changing um, toward that, but I think we still need a wee bit of work to to make that happen more. So, th- yeah, I, mean, I suppose you're well-placed as in you, you went to DJ CAD and yeah. you stayed yeah. um, and you've then sort of created a career for yourself yeah. off the back of that. So how do we encourage more DJ CAD graduates to stay? I think it's by giving the opportunity to to people and makers and designers to to stay in the city by maybe offering them not offering them but uh, giving them place that's a cool like you know all those shops which are closed on Reform Street and all those things like why we don't try to to I don't know you know they are so expensive to to rent or. So why don't we try to, I don't know, like put together a team and like, I don't know, just rent a shop with, I don't know, furniture maker or jeweler. And you know, I think it's, I think what we need in Dundee is to, to give spaces to, to people to stay and uh, affordable places. And I think, I think, yeah, that's, that's what Dundee needs at the moment. Little shops, little galleries, little... So do you think do you think space is enough? I think I think if you've got a space and you're motivated, yeah, will be enough because I mean what which is what is good in Dundee, it's a small city. So you know everybody know about everything is like 10 minutes. So I mean you don't need uh we already have this kind of really big uh, creative uh, community. And I think, yeah, it would be like, you know, but just by word of mouth, and like it would be really easy for those people to, to get known. So I'm not too sure that the issue is a kind of publicity thing or I think it's just... Uh, yeah, space and uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. 
So I, I suppose more more broadly, um, what if you could see one thing happen in the future here? What would you like to see? Um, so apart from um, the like, of giving space to designers and then mm. having those shops on the high street, what yeah. else would you like to see happen? Um, what I really would like to see it's uh, to see those really cool buildings like old factories and old schools and being knocked down and replaced by those horrible block of uh, you know luxury flat with just boring cladding so I really would like to see more of those old buildings being refurbished and transformed in some really cool I don't know flat or offices or whatever like but just not not knocking them down you know like when you see Robertson furniture in the city center just behind the the city council building it's an amazing building and it's like why why don't we try to save it you know what's the point to to build a new building when you've got those massive really really cool building with loads of history just in the city center and and not doing anything so so yeah that's that's really something that I would like to to see in Dundee trying to trying to be a wee bit more proud of um, the history of the city by kind of keeping those uh, buildings and and yeah giving them a second life you know. great um, so if if anyone wants to find out more about you more about Draft um, where do they find you so they can find me I've got a website at the moment which is a uh, draft.co.uk so d-a no d-r-a-f-f .co.uk and uh, they can find me in the obviously the workshop which is for uh, for dash six stuff a place in the circle and uh, yeah great thank you very much thank you very much yes and that was Emerick Thank you very much to him for coming in and doing the podcast. Um, I know that he is, I mean, very much still developing the draft business and looking at working with other people um, and developing the product that he's creating and the material and looking at ways to use that and um, products and ideas to create out of that. So, um, yeah, if you think it might be of interest, um, yeah, reach out to him, have a chat. Um, I'd say he's, he's up at the, the circle at the back of the circle in the Kennedy Twaddle uh, Architecture Workshop, which they're also really up for uh, people in the community to go and utilise as well. So they have facilities up there, like laser cutters and things like that, more of a sort of maker space. So if that sort of thing interests you, again, go and get in touch with them. Uh, all the links, all the details are in the show notes as usual. And yeah, so next week, I've got Mark Beaumont on the podcast, um, which I'm sure... A good number of you already know from him um, being a bit of an adventurer, um, creating a career from that being an adventurer. So he's broke the uh, the world record for cycling around the world twice now, uh, most recently last year, um, and not broken it, but absolutely annihilated it. Um, and he's done an, a whole host of other mad challenges. And what was really interesting, I mean, from our chat, it's... I'm, I wanted to know how how he has built a career off doing what he does 
and how that's possible and how he's built that business, that brand around himself. And we we actually dive right into that. Um, and he gives us a lot of really great insight into it. Um, so it, it's a fantastic episode. Um, it'll be going out next Wednesday. And beyond that, I've got another four brilliant guests lined up before we take a break for the summer. So yeah, come back for them. And yeah, do the usual thing. Come on. If you don't already, it's at CCC Dundee on Twitter and on Instagram and facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee. And that's where all the up-to-date information is on all about up-and-coming episodes and when they go live. And that's it for this week. Goodbye.